If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to continue our series this morning entitled Transforming Grace, going through the scriptures on the subject of the grace of God and how how God's grace is very transformative. The very origins of it is we are saved by grace through faith, and the Bible teaches that when we're born again, we're, uh, we're made brand new, that all old things are washed away and all things have become new. So that's the greatest and the most significant transformation that we'll experience on this side of heaven. But while we are on this side of heaven, there's a continual transformation to take place in our Christian life, becoming disciples, followers of Jesus or disciples of Christ, and that our lives are are no longer to be conformed to this world, but they're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So now that we are born again, now that we are a brand new creation, we have the responsibility to get our thought life in alignment with the scriptures and having our lives being transformed to bring honor and glory to God. And as, as Christians, we don't need to be stuck in the same habit patterns that we were stuck in uh, when we were not Christians and then we become Christians, but we find out we still have the same, some of the same thought patterns, we still have some of the same uh, habits. Uh, negative habits that, that we kind of cling to, and many times we just adopted the attitude, well, it's who I am, I really can't help it, it's my DNA, I received it, you know, it was passed down to me through the generations, so I had angry parents, that's why I'm angry, and I found out my grandparents and great-grandparents were angry people, so I guess I'm just an angry person, and you're just going to have to put up with me. Well, that's, that's not acceptable. Amen. Amen. Everyone say, it's not acceptable for me. To be an angry person. So anyway, someone needed to hear that. That's not really my message today, but it fits. So stop being angry (laughs) and start being happy. So we can can work in every area of our lives. Uh, We don't need to be impatient any longer. We become patient. We can become kind. Uh, In Galatians chapter 5, is a great chapter for you to study. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, contrasting the fruit of God's Spirit, manifested love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, Faithfulness in contrasting that with the works of the flesh. And so that's basically what we're talking about. We're talking about our lives being transformed. In Romans 12 and verse 2, it tells us to no longer be conformed to the world, but, but, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've identified, I've been identifying the transforming grace of God, the, the definition I like the best of the many different ones that I've read over the years is that grace is God's ability working in you to do what you cannot do in your own strength. So it's a, it's a, it's a strength of God. It's, we refer to it as a grace, but it's really it's a, it's a strength working in us to enable us to do what we cannot do in our own ability. So I want to take a few moments this morning and look at Romans chapter 5. And bring out some scriptures for that enlighten us to the, to the reality of God's abundant grace and his sufficient grace. That's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. God's grace being abundant and also the Apostle Paul talks about in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, how his grace is sufficient. So we never can go through life saying, well, I would like to be transformed. I would like to experience transformation in this area of my life, but I just don't have enough grace. Well, the Bible teaches us that grace is abundant. Grace is sufficient. 
And the Bible also teaches us that we can come to the throne of God's grace at any time in the time of need to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in the hour of need. It's amazing how many Christians I've uh, had conversations with over the years that uh, when they need God the most is when they feel the least qualified to go to him to get help. It's called condemnation, a condemnation that comes right from the very pit of hell. Condemning us, thinking that, well, I blew it, or I'm weak in this area, or I'm still struggling with uh, whatever you fill in the blanks. I'm still struggling with it these many years later, so I'm not worthy to go to God to get help. That's the very time we need to go to God. How many times, have, you know, right after we blow, we, we lose our temper, we're impatient, we, we uh, misbehave in our driving and treating other drivers or we're rude to people in public or people that are trying to serve us in a restaurant or uh, shopping, whatever it may be. We're, 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 not, we're not living the Christian life. We're not simplifying the, the, the grace of God or the love of God. Right when, in those moments when we blow it, at that very moment is when we need to go to God. Say, God, I'm coming to you for mercy and to find grace to help me in this very moment of need. Just don't waller in it. Wallow, what do you do? Waller, whatever. Don't, don't stay stuck in it. Don't remain stuck in that guilt and condemnation thinking, well, in a week, in a month, perhaps in a year, you know, I have paid my penance for it so I can go ahead and I can come to God and say, God, remember? And he's probably going to say, no, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. So go to God immediately. Learn to, learn to go to him quickly and, and deal with it and, and move on. Little children are great examples for us. Watch children, how quickly they get over offense and how quickly they get over an, an issue and you know, they can be squabbling one moment and best of buddies the very next moment. You know, that's how quick we need to be to, to get over our mistakes because God is ever so quick to, and his grace is abundantly sufficient to help us get over it. So here in Romans chapter 5, I'm going to look at a couple of verses. Uh, let's, let's begin with verse 15. It's contrasting uh, how Christ in our place, how we... we came upon death in Adam. The original sin came through Adam. So it's death in Adam and life in Christ and contrasting back and forth. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but just a few verses I want to lift out of here for the sake of this, uh, the, uh, painting this picture of God's grace being abundant. In verse 15, it says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's, of, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Much more, notice that in verse 15, much more grace, you could say it like this and it would be accurate, grace much more abounded. Contrasting it to the sin and the death in Adam to the life in Christ, grace much more abounded. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Again, notice the terminology. One man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace. So you receive the abundance of grace you have a much greater ability to reign in life 
verse 20. Look at verse 20. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, where sin abounded, grace abounded just a wee tiny little bit more. Now it abounded how much more? Much more. Grace abounded much more. So the next verse then, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want, while you're there, I think it's probably on the same page in your Bible. It is in mine. But uh, chapter 6, verse 14. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but you're under grace. So again, back to 15, verse, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 15, 17, and 20, all have that similar language, how grace much more abounds over sin. Where sin abounded, grace does much, grace does much more abound. And in 614 telling us that you, uh, sin shall not have dominion over you. Notice that even uh, sin, the works of the flesh, shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under the government or the dispensation or the administration or the stewardship of the grace of God. Where sin abounded, grace does much more abound. Now, I just want to point out a few things that may help you identify some short circuits to the abounding grace. You say, well, if this grace is so abundant, if it's so readily available, and it's such an abounding commodity from God, the very aspect of his being, why don't I experience it more? Why don't I just automatically experience this abounding grace? Well, I think there's a couple short circuits that, that, that we deal with, a couple of things that short circuit the grace that, that hinder it from abounding to the degree that it is available, to the degree that it is more than sufficient. And number one, you know, it says four things, four things that are making grace appear like it's not abounding like it should be. Number one, short circuit, the way the way we view sin. Many times we make sin appear stronger than the grace that abounds. We're more focused on the sin in our lives or the sin in our culture, the darkness that we are surrounded by, this world that we are living in. We're so focused on, on all the negativity and we're focused on evil. It's all very real. I'm not saying that, we sh that darkness isn't real, that evil isn't real. Satan is real. Satan is roaming around seeking whom he may devour. But we have to guard our eyes. We have to guard our hearts. What are we thinking on? What are we looking on? What are we constantly observing? What are we talking about? Are we talking about all the dysfunction in our family? Are we talking about all the dysfunction in our government? Are we talking about all the dysfunction in the culture as a whole? Is that our main focus? Is that what we're continually talking about and, 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 and meditating on, thinking about? Well, if, if that's what it is, what's happening is we are short-circuiting the abounding grace. We are forgetting that, yes, sin is sin, darkness is darkness. It's, I have a, a news flash for you. It's not going to get any brighter. The world system's not going to get any better on its own. 
And so we, we want to learn to keep it in perspective. So rather than always being focused on all the negativity, all the evil, all the darkness, be focused on, remember this, where sin is abounding, where darkness is abounding, where dysfunction is abounding, grace does just much more. Everyone say much more. Much more abound. So why wouldn't we think on, why wouldn't we be consumed with the much more abounding grace? Much more abounding grace. Instead of being uh, consumed by it and talking about it and singing about it and studying it, sometimes when you mention the word grace, oh, grace. Yeah, I was saved by grace. As if it's something old and worn out. <laughs> yeah, I, I question whether you were saved by grace. You may, you may think you're saved, but it's probably by something else. You really want to get saved by the grace of God. We want to be saved by the grace of God and being enlightened and being enraptured by the grace of Almighty God, how much more abounds. And let, uh, have the abounding grace captivate our attention. That I'm thinking about the grace of God. I'm, I'm, I'm relishing in it. I'm celebrating it. I'm thinking, wow, the grace of God. It's abundant. It's abundant. It never runs dry. And then so, so you know, we have this whole idea of entirely too much focus on, on the sin around us. And then we also have to ask ourselves, what is it that we really believe about what's going on in the world around us? And then follow that up with, what is it that I believe about myself? What is it that I believe about myself? Concerning the grace of God, the abounding grace of God. Do I really believe that I'm redeemed? Do I really believe that God's grace is abundant in me, on me, around me, for me, through me? Do I really believe it's sufficient? Do I really believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Do I really believe that I believe that I believe that grace is abundant and, and, abundant and sufficient for me? That it superabounds. The terminology there in Romans was it's where grace abounded, uh, excuse me, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It really means it super abounds. It just, it's, it's more than enough. It's more than enough. It's like a, a river that's completely overflown in, uh, overflowing in flood stage. It's just completely out of control. You, you can't stop it. You can't contain it. It's just going to go where it's going to go. The grace of God, you can't stop it. Just let it flow. Let God's grace work in you. Learn to accept it and, and to celebrate it and to walk in it and, 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 and to draw on it and really bring it, incorporating it into our lives. And so let's not be short-circuiting the grace of God. The truth is there's more grace, there's more of God's power, and there's more of his righteousness in you than the power of sin to control you. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Do we believe that? There is more grace, more of God's power. There is more of his righteousness. There's more of his peace. There's more of his joy. There's more of his holiness in you than there is the power, than the power of sin residing within you. Say, oh, this old nature. 
You know, some people like to camp out at Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, and et cetera, et cetera. And then just stop reading there in those couple of verses and never read on into chapter 8 where it says, but thanks be to God, we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's because of the grace of God. The grace of God. Yeah, in and of myself, I find myself not doing the things I want to do, and I find myself doing the things I don't want to do, but by the grace of God, I have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen? So grace, there's much more abounding grace in you. There's more of God's power, more of his righteousness in you than there is the power of sin. So learn to focus on the grace of Almighty God. Put it in its proper perspective. Goliath, remember the story of David and Goliath? Goliath was much, much bigger, stronger than David. But David did not compare himself to Goliath. David was wise enough not to compare himself with Goliath. He compared Goliath with God. And then when he compared compared Goliath with God, he recognized and he was able to see that God is far greater. Far greater, much bigger, stronger, wiser. That's where his courage came from. He compared it to God. We need to do likewise with sin that wants to prevail in our lives. Stop comparing it with your own strength, your own ability your own wisdom, and start comparing it with Jesus Christ, what he has done for us at Calvary's cross. We did not deserve it. We couldn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But he gave himself for us. He gave himself for us. God's love is far superior. His grace much more abounds. So compare Everything that comes against you, compare it with grace that superabounds. Like Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, Timothy, you, need to, you want to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strong in the Lord, not strong for the Lord. When we tap into the grace of God, we become strong in the Lord rather than in our flesh. We try to be strong for the Lord. Now, I'm going to resolve. I'm going to be strong for the Lord. Well, if you're making that dedication, it all sounds right and noble, but if you're doing it in your own strength, it's not going to hold up. It will not hold up. But if I purpose to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus... Not my own strength, not my own self-will, but I'm surrendering to the Lord and I'm tapping in on the grace that superabounds. The grace that superabounds. The Apostle Paul experienced tremendous transformation. We looked at him several times over the last couple of weeks, but you know, primarily the thing that stands out to me is Paul himself said, I was chief among sinners. You know, he, he said he was a violent, a violent angry person. He was chief among sinners, but by the grace of God, he is what he is. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. By the grace of God, notice the grace of God superabounded over the apostle Paul's life, completely transformed him into an apostle. Jesus appeared to Paul and gave Paul the revelation 
the insight into, into this dispensation that we live in today from the day of Pentecost until Jesus comes back. We're living in a dispensation called the church age, or other people refer to it as the dispensation of grace. They're one and the same. So Paul received that revelation from God, and as a result of receiving that revelation from God, he had a lot of pushback. He had a lot of pushback, but, his, but he was able to draw on the grace of God. The Apostle Paul made this statement in Colossians 1.29. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version. In Colossians 1.29, he said, For I labor unto weariness, striving with all superhuman energy, which he so mightily enkindles and works in me. I call that grace. I call that the grace when Paul's saying, I labor unto weariness, striving with all superhuman energy, which he so mightily enkindles and works in me. Then here's one that's more familiar to many people, uh, Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The verb strengthens is present tense. It's a continuous action. Don't look at this as I can do all things through God who strengthened me, past tense. You know, as he gave me a certain amount of strength and I'm, I've been, you know, drawing on it all these years and it's running out. No, it's, it's a continual action. Grace is super abounding continually in our lives. It's not something, it's not an infusement of power we received when we got saved and we draw on it and, it, and, it's, and it's, it's now depleted. No, grace is more abundant in my life today than the, than the evening that I've received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. His grace is super abounding. So Paul's statements concerning laboring, laboring and talking about tiredness and, and weakness, and, but yet how he prevailed by the grace of God. His statements reveal just how much the Apostle Paul himself needed the grace of God in his life. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll read a couple statements that Paul made. and just want to show you something, how he wrapped it up and drew on the grace of God in his own life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, he's talking about the, his sufferings for Christ. In verse 23, he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Now, we need to stop here just for a moment. How many is that? All right. Didn't take long at all. <laughs> I'm always, when I read that, why didn't it just say 39 times? <laughs> Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils and waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things that come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. 
my deep concern or my anxious cares for all the churches. So Paul's admitting there that he experienced much tiredness, weakness, but he prevailed because of the grace of God. And you can look at other people's lives, and I look at people and some of the, some of the horrific things that they encounter in their lives, tragic deaths and with children or anyone. Just what, you know, there's some of the stuff that goes on, just the horrific stuff that some people go through. It's like, man, how can they, you know, how do you, how do you keep going? I can look at my own lives. And say, how, how do you keep going? I look at young families and, 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 and mothers with two or three children and husbands and, and dad and mom both working and raising kids and to me, looking at it from this side, it's like exhausting. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do that? Just so many different things. You look at other people's lives. It is so exhausting. How do you keep going? I can look, like I said, I can look at my own life in different seasons. It's so exhausting. How does one keep going? But, you know, it's, it's this grace that abounds. It's that supernatural energy, supernatural strength of God to, to empower you to do what, what you need to be doing. So Paul experienced much tiredness, much weakness, much opposition, and, but, but uh, he also had a revelation of the grace of God. And it was a, for Paul, remember, Paul's the one that Jesus appeared to him and gave him that revelation of the grace of God. You can read about that in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. He was separated from his mother's womb to proclaim and to teach the grace of God. So Paul experienced it. And it's a, it's a revelation that other people were longing for and desiring to see and, and to understand, but they, but they didn't have it until Jesus gave it to Paul. And Paul's assignment was to give it to the church. Take it, to, take it from the Jewish nations, also not take it to the Gentiles as well. Peter was the first one. God told him to take this gospel of grace to the Gentiles. So, so he had a lot of opposition from his own countrymen, from the Jews, from his own countrymen, shipwrecks, you name it. He went, he, he went through a lot of stuff. It was, a, it was enough to get him to give up. You would think it was enough to get him to think, you know what? This being Paul's not all that cool. I'm going to go back and be Saul. You know, they don't appreciate me. I have never said that about my church. They just don't appreciate me. They're just complaining. They're backbiting. They're, they're arguing with me. You know, he, he had many reasons to give up, but he didn't give up because of the grace of God, the grace of God. And if you go into chapter 12 in verse 7, it says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. Notice the abundance of the revelation Paul received. He referred to this abundant grace as the abundant revelation he received from Jesus. A thorn in the flesh is given me. And don't stop reading there because he goes right on and identifies the thorn in the flesh. I'm amazed at how many scholars want to sit around trying to figure out what was the thorn. Was it his eyes? Was it this? Was it that? He tells us what he says. It was a messenger of Satan and it was sent to buffet means to strike with the fist, to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. 
So after people are done trying to figure out what the thorn was, when it tells us it was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, to beat him, to persecute him, came through various ways, various groups of people, various circumstances, but all the root of it all was it was a messenger of Satan to beat him, to discourage him. So he sought the Lord for this, that it might depart from him. But the word of God never teaches, God never promised, Jesus never promised that we as Christians, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior by the grace of God, we're born by grace through faith, we come into the kingdom of heaven, it does not promise us an easy, trouble-free path while we're here in this world. We are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven, and we are in hostile territory. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have tribulation, or you will have testings, and you will have trials. That's the reality of living in this world. There's evil in this world. People do evil things. People do really, really, really evil things in this world. Motivated from the pit of hell. And they do really bad things. And as a result of it, others suffer, go through some very horrendous, horrible things. That's why we need to continue to build our trust and our confidence in God and thanking him that his ministering angels are encamped around about us, protecting us while we're here. Keep our, our, the armor of God on, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. You know, keep ourselves dressed up. Keep ourselves armored up because the fiery darts are coming from every direction. Amen. And we can't afford to forget that and just thinking, well, God is for me. Everything's cool. I'm not going to have any problems because I'm a Christian. God is for me. He can be against me. That doesn't mean no one's going to be against you. It's just no one can prevail against you. That's what it means. People are going to be against you. The enemy is going to be against you. Satan is seeking who he may devour. But we're not going to let him have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul's initial prayer was, God, just take all this trouble from me. Take this messenger and all the multifaceted manifestations of, it, of him. Just take it away from me. Three times. He prayed that. And then some people come up and say, well, you know what? Uh, Paul prayed for that, and God said no. <laughs> I don't know about you, but my Bible doesn't say that he said no. But he did, I think Jesus replied in the affirmative. I see it as affirmative. In verse 9, you know, in verse 8, he's asking, he pleaded three times that, th that this messenger, that, you know, put a cease and desist order on this messenger. In verse 9, Jesus replied, he said, my grace is is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And I want you to know that the grace of God was sufficient for Paul, the grace of God that super, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, is also sufficient in your life. Amen. It's sufficient. Meditate on it. Think about it. Don't exalt all the evil stuff that's going on in and around your world, all the 
stuff that's coming against you, meditate and reflect on, on and draw on the grace that is sufficient and is super abounding toward you. And Paul went on to say, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that's when I humble myself and admit that in and on my own strength, I can't do this. In my own strength, I don't want to do this. It's like the preacher woke up on a Sunday morning and the wife kept telling him it's time, you know, his wife kept telling him it's time to get going. He said, well, I really don't feel like going today. I don't feel like going to church today. He said, why do I need to go to church? And, and she reminded him, he said, well, you're the pastor. <laughs> you're the pastor. You, you, you probably should be there. <laughs> but there's times when, you know, in our own strength, we don't feel like doing things. But he's saying, okay, in my own strength, I'm not feeling it. In my own strength. I don't want to do this, but when I acknowledge my own weakness, I acknowledge my own carnality, and I humble myself, say, Lord, I'm, I'm not designed to do this in my own strength, and, but I thank you that your grace superabounds toward me. Then when you admit your own limitations, God's superabounding grace come in and take over. You draw on his grace even while being tested. You admit your limitations, your weaknesses and human strength. You draw on the grace of God. Then you are truly strong and you are able to perform in the divine, strengthening, equipping, superabounding grace of almighty God in your life. Eventually, you'll be through that trial, that test, that tribulation, whatever it was, and you'll look back over and say, how did I do that? Or how did we do that? Or how did this people overcome that? It's the super abounding grace of God that is sufficient. Amen. Sufficient means it's enough. Amen. Amen? It's enough. How much grace do you need? Enough to get through the situation that you're facing. And when you're through that situation, there'll be sufficient grace for the next hour or the next moment or the next day or the next year. Grace is sufficient. Focus on the grace. Don't focus on the sin. Focus on the grace, not on the problem. Focus on the grace and not on the giants. When you think about a giant and when a giant is confronting you, compare that giant with the promises of God. And you will recognize that God's word is far bigger. His promises are far stronger. No word from God shall return void. And I'm going to send the word, just like David sent the word. And he said, you know, this day I'm going to take your head and I'm going to feed it to the birds. And he declared the outcome by the grace of Almighty God. And that's how he was victorious over, over, over the Goliath. He recognized that compared to God, it's nothing. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever giants are opposing you, whatever giants are tormenting you, look to God, magnify God, worship God, draw on the grace of God. And just as the Apostle Paul said, you know, Lord, just take this away. Jesus said, basically, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to give you grace to go over it, to go through it, to go around it, to go under it, whatever, you're going to come out of it victorious. And we're going to, you know, the kingdom of God is going to receive the applause of heaven as a result of it because you trusted me. You trusted me. You have grace 
to overcome circumstances. You have grace to overcome the mountains. You have grace to move mountains. You have grace to be victorious in every area. It's sufficient in every area. It's sufficient in your relationships. Sufficient in marriage. It's sufficient for parenting. It's more than sufficient in your stewardship. It's more than sufficient in every area of your life. There's grace for it. You can do what you are called to do because of the grace of Almighty God. So don't ever adopt the attitude, well, yeah, I was saved by grace, and grace is a nice word, and matter of fact, I think I'm going to go to Grace Church. (laughs) That's a great idea. What a revelation, huh? What a revelation. Grace Church. The Bible tells people to to go and to sing with grace. It's really, this this is God's will for you, this Grace Church. Sing together with grace. So if you're singing somewhere else, and it's not called grace, (laughs) grace be upon those churches. (laughs) Anyway, I digress, and I lost my train of thought, so I guess I'm done. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here today, and I thank you for your grace that superabounds over every circumstance, over every event, over every mountain, over every challenge, Every situation that we are facing collectively and individually, your grace abounds, super abounds, more than sufficient in the name of Jesus, name above all names. Now, some of you in here today, I think it's speaking to some that there's something very significant that you're facing, and uh, you're not sure you're going to get over it or get through it doesn't matter what it is. I just want to ask you to stand up and pray for that super abounding grace to be manifested in your life in Jesus' name. Just stand up. Say, I want to receive that super abounding grace in the name of Jesus. It may be healing, finances, relational, whatever it may be, but you're, you're at that, almost at that, in the natural, you're at that breaking point. Don't be afraid to admit it. Humble yourself. Say, I'm at a breaking point, but by the grace of God, I'm overcoming. So, Father, lift up those that are standing right now in Jesus' name. Whatever the event is, whatever the situation is, that arrayed against them, whether it be health, finances, relational, or any other thing that I didn't mention, I thank you right now, Lord, for an infusion of supernatural, abounding grace that is much more powerful than the forces of evil arrayed against them in the name of Jesus, name above all names, amen, amen. Receive it, walk in it, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Love you guys. If you need any other prayer, I want someone to agree with you personally, just make your way up here. Perhaps you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Be happy to pray with you, introduce you to Christ. And, and or anything else you may have need of. So make your way up here, and some people will meet you up here and pray with you. God bless you. And one more thing, one more thing. Hold on, everyone, hold on. We have been, a disclaimer, we are not under a curse here. It's called lantern flies. And we discovered this week they came in here by the thousands. And the trees along our property line are that, ironically called trees of heaven, that, that they like. And it's just, it's just polluted. With, so as you're leaving today, just knock them off your cars. Don't, don't take them home with you. We're going to get it sprayed this week and hopefully bring some resolution to that. But uh, I think I'm still going to heaven, but I killed thousands of lanternflies this week. So. 
They're so pretty, but I killed them, so please forgive me. <laughs> but don't spread them anywhere. Just knock them off your car. They won't hurt you. God bless you. See you next Sunday.